I want us to begin our topic for today, which is called A Culture of Thanksgiving. A Culture of Thanksgiving. It's a, going to be a beautiful, life-changing topic, and it will not leave our lives the same. We have been doing our whole week of worship, our whole week of praise, our whole week of singing, and we may be wondering, how do we then permanently patent this kind of thing. I want to show us how to walk in a culture of thanksgiving. Because without that culture, we may not attain to some blessings. I will read for a scripture to guide us for the evening. But allow me to say something. That in order for us to have a culture of thanksgiving, we must not necessarily be prayerful. We only need to locate a few pointers to guide us on how to be grateful. I repeat, in order to have a culture of thanksgiving, we may not necessarily have to be prayerful. We only need to build structures that can easily help us to flow with thanksgiving. So I'm going to show us seven structures according to the Bible, that are so critical and so important, when you build on them, when you identify them, you will always find a reason to thank the Lord every day. And I'm going also to show you by the grace of God why it is so critical to be full of thanksgiving. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse from verse 1 up to verse 18, and I'll be very fast in my reading. And if you have your Bible, take a pen or your marker, because we'll be marking the seven things from that book. Deuteronomy chapter 8, from verse 1 to verse 18. If you have your marker, get it ready. The Bible says, therefore, in uh, NIV, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase. Somebody say, live and increase and may enter and possess the land that your God promised you, uh, promised to you, to your ancestors. Verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. Verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to anger, underline the word anger, causing you to anger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, your clothes, underline the word clothes, your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Verse 5, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Verse 6, Observe the commandments, I mean the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. Seven, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brook streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Eight, and a land with wheat and barley, vines and, and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, and a land where bread will not be scarce and you lack nothing. A land where the rocks, a land where the rocks, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, verse 12. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses, and I learn the word fine houses, and settle down, and when your herds and flocks, and I learn the word flocks, grow large and your silver and gold, and I learn the word silver and gold, then your heart will become proud, and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Going down, we do not need to read. Father, bless your word and use it to interrupt us for our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Allow me begin with a story. A story I have rarely shared with friends. 2009, I'm hosting some rebels. 
my brother John knows them and usually laughs about them. And I'm hosting some three rebels in my house. These are people who should be serving God. And instead of serving God, they are doing marimari and whatever it is. Therefore, as a result, my house came under a severe curse that I could not seem to break. How did my house come under a curse? Number one, we could not pay rent for six months. Number two, we could barely get food to eat on a daily basis. Many times we had to, you know, stir up some porridge and we drink. And even the day we are drinking that porridge, we could praise God because food has somehow come in a, in a, in a, in a more primitive fashion. But to us it was still food. After that, something happened again. I got tempted, like some of you have gotten tempted, to sew my clothes because I did not have a seed to give. So I sewed all my clothes and I remained with the two, thinking it will break the spell. But the spell was not broken. Afterwards, I had to be chased out of that house and I ended up living in a prayer center. But before that, I cried to the Lord. Just like some of you may be crying to the Lord concerning provisions. And I asked the Lord, give me a formula that will work. And the Lord sent a prophet. You have heard of him, the old man who is in his 70s, prophet Dan. The one who told me, my son, you are fired. Eh? I went somewhere to do some prophetic work. I got too friendly with the people. And I could no longer function as a prophet. So when the older prophet came, he told me, young man, you are fired. You are out of order. Go home. This mission is out. So the prophet Dan came to the house and asked him, man of God, tell me what to do. We cannot pay rent. We cannot even get food. My clothes are only two. And we are walking to town from all this place which is past Kawangware. And man of God, just help us. He told me something that I want to share with you. Unless you are not interested. Are you interested? Can I, show you, can I see your teeth if you are interested? Yes. Thank you. He told me something very, very profound. When I used that formula, and some of you need to go beginning using it, my whole provisional life began to change. He told me, young man, since I came here, I noticed food is a problem. Yes, I know that. But I watched you bless the food like any other Christian. And after you ate it, you woke up, took the things to the kitchen, but you did not give thanks. You only blessed the food so that it can reach your stomach, but you did not give thanks. Neither did you even pray for those who are not as lucky to eat, and even to eat and swallow, and even to be satisfied. From today, young man, hear the word of the Lord. Never eat any food, even if it is a fruit without giving thanks. Bless it before you eat it, but make sure you whisper a word of thanksgiving. And remember to ask the Lord to bless those who do not have. I began doing that the first week, the second week, the third week. The fourth week, I connected to the mayor after I'd been chased out of the house. I connected with the mayor and my life began to change. Up to date, I have never gone angry by the grace of God. We are going into what we call a thanksgiving culture. But our culture will not just be about songs and dances and melody. It must begin with the basic things that we eat. The basic clothes that we wear. We are coming to close. The basic houses we live in. The basic places we go to. We are no longer going to be like the Edens who are entitled. Like, you know, these spoiled children. We are going to be men and women who tremble at everything God puts in our hands. That is how I broke poverty over my food. Satan had vowed, I will not eat three meals in this city. And for several months, he had succeeded. When I heard the word of the prophet, and I obeyed it, and I taught my brother whom I stay with to obey it, to death, we broke the curse of lack of our food. Next was the clothes. And we go to Exodus 28. Exodus 28 verse 2 is a revolutionary scripture not the man of God, but the Lord himself now came and showed me when I was wondering, Lord, 
I am in a city and all I can have are two clothes. What do I do, Lord? How do I break the curse of nakedness? When Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God and he mentions anger, my brother, my sister, anger is real. And he mentioned nakedness. Nakedness is real. I faced nakedness. And I went to the Lord, asked the Lord, how do I break nakedness? He showed me, you try, I mean, Exodus 28, verse 2. The Bible says, therefore, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. Who was King James Version? Exodus 28, verse 2. It's there. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for beauty. The Lord told me when I went to seek him about nakedness, he told me, my son, every cloth you wear, you are too quick to use starsoft. Most, most of them are mitumbas, eh? the second hand ones, which come with a certain, a, certain, a certain smell. So you are too quick to use starsoft to remove the bad smell, but you never dedicate them to me. You never dedicate them for beauty. You never dedicate them for glory. Beauty is human, but glory is spiritual. A cloth that has been dedicated with thanksgiving for beauty and for glory will carry both natural and spiritual anointing. It will carry both natural and spiritual significance. As a result, the Lord can now use that cloth to glorify himself. The Lord can now sit on that cloth as an altar that has been dedicated to him. How many people, Mama Florence, how many people have fallen into immorality just because of how the other person dressed? Are you getting me? How many people have fallen into temptation just because of how the other person dressed? Wait a minute. How many people have we refused even to permit to our inner circle just based on how they dress? Clothes can disqualify you. Clothes can also qualify you. Clothes can promote you. Clothes also can demote you. You have to be careful. As much as you are giving thanks for your food, dedicate your clothes. The very garments Aaron wore, as he walked, there was a royalty upon him. Now remember, Aaron was not perfect. Aaron was full of weaknesses. But God decides to cover this man with garments full of dedication. Do you know there are people who look so brilliant just because they dress brilliantly? And inside here, they have nothing between these two years. But because they know how to dress like a professor or how to dress like a doctor, we take them seriously. I'm sorry. Some of your relatives may have fallen for them and even ended up marrying them based on how they package themselves in their clothes. You think this fellow is so brilliant, but the guy does not know how to put pen to paper, but he knows how to put garments on his body. So the first structure you are building is the structure of dedicating our thanks to the Lord by our eating, but also dedicating our thanks to the Lord by our Sometimes you may have to increase an additional dedication to that cloth which you are dedicated because the Lord may have a special assignment with that garment for the day. Allow me to go back to, to, to food and I will share with you something very shocking. When the children of Israel were crying, oh, take us back to Egypt, take us back to Egypt, what were they crying about? The food. We miss the onions, the garlics, the watermelons. We miss the food. And the Lord showed me five years ago something very shocking. That you cannot change people's culture before you change their food. The Mombasa people are Mombasa people not just because of the weather, but because of the food they eat. Nairobians are Nairobians, not because of the skyscrapers in the city, but because of their food. You think you'll find Chipo in, in Mombasa. There is no Chipo in Mombasa. I stayed there. I lived there. I was raised up there. You go to Kisumu, the culture of their food is totally different. And before you can become a Nairobian, you must eat like a Nairobian. Before you can become a Costellian, you must eat like a Costellian. To break 
food is to break the bondage over the pastor's culture. The other day, our man of God went to America and he ate like them. Thank God of his, because of his age, he almost twanged like them. <laughs> Joe, you remember when he came through the airport, he had a godfather cape and he was, he was sagging and walking like this. God punish the devil. Hmm? <laughs> and do you remember the pastor he told us the food there is too sugary he didn't even tell us about the glory there or the salmon there let's have something we have to eat and immediately we entered an impromptu restaurant and we began to eat God punish the devil my brothers, my sisters, if you don't nail it with your food, you may not nail it with any aspect of your culture. You have to nail it. And sometimes you have to deliberately decide, I am an Nairobian, but I will not eat like an Nairobian. There's a way Nairobians eat their chipo, even in somebody's car, even in somebody's office, and they eat this thing, and they eat this thing, and you are like, why do you do that? But they will tell you, everybody's doing that. And there is a way in Nairobians when they are angry and they need to eat, they are angry and they need to eat. Same thing with the Mombasa people. Mombasa people are time like this. There is what we call kawatungu. Eh? The strong coffee. And they also have what we call uh, not, not, mahamri. Mahamri imetua nini? Imetua mbaazindani. And there is a way they sit even when they are eating. If you can break from that, you can break from that bondage of that territory. The first culture, I mean, the first place I want to put your hand, if you want to change your culture, put it on your food. Review what you eat before the Lord. And how do you review it? Bless it before you eat it, then offer thanks after you have eaten it. And there is a man who came to us one time in a prophetic team where I was. And he had issues to do with anger and immorality. And he was a youth pastor. And we, don't, we didn't know how to pray for him. When we were praying in tongues, the Lord gave us an interpretation of the tongues. The Lord said, for the next five days, you are to interrupt his eating schedule. He will not eat the way you usually eat. Number one, he will do uh, you know, partial fasting where he's just drinking juices. And then after that, put him on another regimen of how to eat. And for one month, regulate how he eats. Do not even rebuke the demon of immorality or the demon of anger. Just regulate how he eats. On the third day of his fasting, the young man came to us. He said, I am almost dying. And he fell down. We said, die. <laughs> and we knew it is not him talking. It is the demon talking. I had a friend of mine who used to tell me something very crazy. She used to tell me, when I am hungry, I can even eat you. And she meant it. And she meant what she was saying. If I am hungry, I can eat you. Only to discover my brother Joe, she had a demon, a very strong demon of incest. She had even given birth with her first cousin. And the Lord told me, this cannot be broken by you just saying, demon, come out. You have to regulate our appetite. Can I go a bit deeper? When your food appetite is the strongest, you cannot win any other war on any other appetite. A man who has the handbrake on his food can have the handbrake on anything else, whether it is his anger, whether it is his sexuality, whether it is his brain power. A man who can hold the handbrake on his food can win any other battle. I have been on this game for several years to tell you that with boldness. We go on to the next thing. So we have understood about clothes. Clothes are a weapon. The models and the, 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 the stars in the media are using clothes. And you can also use clothes to give thanks to the Lord, to build a culture of thanksgiving. So the first thing we have said there is anger. The next thing we have seen in verse 4, which you underlined, is clothes. Now we go to something more deeper in verse 9, 
called rocks. I want you to put your hand on verse 9 and put another hand in verse 13. God begins with the rocks before talking of silver and gold. Are you hearing me? The Lord is talking about rocks, how the rocks will be a blessing before finally telling you how he will multiply your silver and multiply your gold. Apostle Moses, many times in life, we don't begin with the gold. We begin with the rocks. And if you are not careful, we may be kicking the rocks and complaining rather than looking at the rocks and expecting with thanksgiving. Some of the best people I've ever met, we met when there were still rocks. Some of them are looking at me right now. When we began, there were rocks. You're like, this man is hard. This woman is crazy. What are we doing? And one of them asked me, who are you? Who sent you? She was doubting who I am because I came like a rock. But as we began to trust the Lord and to walk in appreciation of one another, respect one to another, gold in verse 13 eventually came. Listen to me, those who are not married. You may meet a rock of a man before finally you discover gold in that man. You may meet a rock in a destiny connector before finally you meet a gold in the destiny connector. Your job is to keep an attitude of thanksgiving. If you don't thank God for the rock, do not expect the same God you have given thanks will carry you to verse 13 to give him thanks for gold and silver. And many times you come to a service which is so hard, you're like, what am I doing here? We live in the presence of God for here. Yes, you have entered into a rock. Wait with thanksgiving because soon you will land on gold. As a preacher sometimes, the most powerful services I've ever encountered is when I entered and even the, the man introducing me looked sleepy. And the children looked disorderly. And the sound system was not even working. Yet, in that very service, as I focus on thanksgiving to the Lord, the Lord has always come through with unbelievable blessing. God is not asking you to change the rock. The Lord is telling you to praise him for the rock. The Lord is not even asking you to understand the rock. Because you didn't even create it. The Lord is asking you, can you thank me? You are surrounded by rocks. But Christ is still working on through his cross. Your job is to give the Lord thanks. Your job is to be grateful. That at least you have rocks. You don't have feces. Huh? At least we Are you hearing me? One woman was complaining, Lord, I'm suffering. Look at me, I'm in hell. The Lord told her, if I took you to the real hell, that is Rebecca Brown, if I took you to the real hell, you will beg me to return you to this place you are calling hell. That time she does not have a home, no food, nothing. She was stranded, walking barefoot on the streets of Los Angeles. And she told the Lord, take me now. This is hell. Take me to hell itself. The Lord told her, if you knew how hell sounded, you will call this one heaven. Look at the rocks in your life and begin to thank the Lord. Out of the rocks will always come the best minerals. But is our third structure of thanksgiving. You know, some of you are complaining, the Kenyan police, they are so corrupt. Look at them, they are Fort Bellis. Look at them. My God, allow me to take you on a tour of some nations where there are no policemen. We only have the militia. I went to one, and I begged God to preserve my life. In fact, I began repenting for every criticism I have ever leveled against the government. Because there, there is no government. 
And sometimes, yes, the government is corrupt. Sometimes, yes, the policemen are stupid. But please, there is a rock that you can still thank God for. Others have no rock to begin with. Moving on, the Bible says something that I love in verses 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses. The word there is fine houses. I know some of you are tired of paying rent. Others are tired of not just paying rent, but of staying in the same place. But listen to me, my brother. Listen to me, my sister. Till you learn to thank the Lord for your natural house, you can no longer appreciate your spiritual house. The men and the women who have a problem appreciating God for their congregation are many times those who have no issue thanking God. They have no art of thanking God for their natural houses. Your natural house should be a pointer to your spiritual house. And there are people who walk into a house and they walk out they go to the bank to pay the, the rent and they walk out and they do not pause to say, Lord, more better people educated than me are being housed in refugee camps and tents. And me, I am here living in a brick house that I did not even build. Allow me to repeat it again. Till you learn to thank God for your natural habitation, you will never learn to thank God for your spiritual habitation. The men who are full of ingratitude because they live in a slum or because they live in a, in a shoddy neighborhood will never learn to thank God for bringing them, bringing them to the household of God. Allow me to repeat the story that I repeated to you one time during the Kesha. There were two apostles. One of them was Peter, James, and John, and the other one was Paul of Tarsus. Anytime Peter went to the temple, he went feeling entitled. Number one, he is the chief apostle. Number two, he has walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Number three, he is gifted. Even his shadow is healing the sick. Number four, he has, he has denied Christ and betrayed him over and over, and he has been forgiven over and over. Peter does not have anything to lose, nor even to give God thanks for, because he was born swimming in privilege. Welcome to Paul of Tarsus. Paul feels every time he enters the church, he does not deserve to enter there because, according to him, and he writes to us, he used to persecute the same church. So any chance he gets to come to church, to him, it is a privilege. Paul enters any church, and the first thing is like, Lord, of all these righteous people, I am the chief sinner. Look at the letters he wrote. Look at the labor of love he did. Paul no longer went to an assembly because of a program. He went because he was truly worshipping the Lord from the bottom of his heart. One man is entitled. In fact, Pastor Kimani, when the Lord told him, go to the Gentiles, he said, hey, hey, I'm a Jew. I cannot mix with the unclean. And many of us are entitled. Many of us are feeling privileged. Many of us do not give thanks from their heart for the house of God. Many of us have not also taught our children to be deeply grateful for this thing we call the house of God. Pastor Kimani said something in the morning about excommunication. Sometimes some pride will only be broken through excommunication. You go out there in the cold. You go out there in the heat. Unyeshewe vizuri. By the time the devil is done doing his merry-go-round on you, when you come back to the church, you swear and you beg God that you will behave yourself. And we can say with boldness, if you think the house of God is bad, try the devil's house. 
So today, we are going back to our houses. And when we arrive in those houses, we are going to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Do you know there are professors from South Sudan who cannot go back home? And now they are in Kakuma, being fed like disabled people? Do you know there are very, 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 very qualified people than you who do not even have even a tent? They are walking the streets because of war. And God has given us natural houses to prepare us for spiritual houses. We go back and we thank God. Thank God that that door has not been broken. That door has not been burned. Thank God that that gate has not been overrun by strangers. Like uh, what the elder said in the morning. Thank the Lord. And don't just thank him once. Every day you look at your house. Give thanks. Then, when you come to the house of God, your heart will open. And you'll just find that you are grateful to the Lord for his house. Which brings me to another thing tied to houses. The Bible says in verse 13, And when your hearts and flocks grow large. God is talking of sheep. God is talking of goats. God is talking of cattle. But today, we can talk of people. Those days, God used to call his people the sheep of his pasture. Today, we no longer call people the sheep of the pasture. Today, we call them the people of God. And I want to teach you something that I beg the Lord to allow you never to forget. People are a gift. The Bible says in, I believe, Proverbs 14, 28, in the multitude of people is the, is the king's glory, but in the want of people is his downfall. If you take the most powerful man in a place where there are no people, his power will never be useful. I want to beg you, please, I learned this through the hard way, never underrate the people God has brought you away. Never underrate them. Never overlook them. Allow me to read for you a favorite scripture in Titus chapter 3. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, one of those scriptures next to Hebrews, verse 3 from verse 1, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone, not someone, everyone. If there is something that is going to change your culture and therefore change your life, it is the way you deal with people. If there is something that you need to use as a weapon to reach souls for Jesus and to show them that Jesus truly loves them, it is how you relate with the people. One woman who taught me when I was still young told me something I'll never forget. She told me, my son, my marriage was about to fall apart. My husband had just done the worst blunder a man can do. And I was so bitter. I was so angry. One day when I went to the Lord in prayer, the Lord told me, my daughter, it is your fault. You have not appreciated him enough. And she said, Lord, how? Then she told me something that I will teach my daughter when she's born. She taught me, number one, every water you pour on his hands when you are washing his hands before you eat, you don't pour it with thanksgiving. So the man just washes his, his, his hands like somebody who was working in the garage who needs to sanitize his hands to put in his pocket. He never feels ministration when you are pouring the water. Number two, when you are shaking his hands, you do not shake it with my presence. You just shake it like you are shaking the hand of any other ordinary mwananchi. So from today, before you go out, Learn to pray for your handshake, that your handshake will have meaning to your husband. The Lord was, in short, 
changing the culture of this lady. After two years of doing that, the man came to her breaking and said, I have even resigned my job to go into full-time ministry because your God has convicted me. What did she do? Did she pray? No. Did she fast? No. She just changed her culture. And one day, Pastor Kimani, I was a recipient of those hands. I was leaving school and she told me, hey, come here, my, my son. And she greeted me. And I left there for the next two hours speaking in tongues nonstop. Was she a woman preaching in church? No. Was she a prophetess? No. She was just a homely Christian woman who had learned how to cultivate a culture of thanksgiving, a culture of the presence of God. The people around you, are you thankful for them? Or are you murmuring about them? Are you impacting them? Or are you tolerating them? That is a question you need to answer if you want to walk in a culture of thanksgiving. I will tell you why you need this culture very shortly. So the Bible says here, slander no one. Be peaceful, be considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. Not someone. Everyone needs to be treated gently. Moving on because of time. We've done now, I don't know the number, but we are moving on. Provided for me I finish and I finish in the grace of God. Uh, verse 13 therefore has told us about your ads and your flocks. But I want to, I want to take just three minutes to give you the difference between herds and flock. Some of you have gone to Narok or to those rural areas where you find a large field, almost 500 acres, with animals in it. Many times you find 10 different herds men have come together to utilize resources. As a result, a whole 500 acres can belong to 10 people grazing at once. What you are seeing in that moment are ads. After evening comes like now, everybody begins to use their language. And they call their little flock to themselves and they go home. Can you see how the Bible arranges it? Ads and flocks. Hearts are those even belonging to your neighbor. Like for you, all of you here are hearts. Because you belong to my neighbor. I'm not your pastor, he is your pastor. But I'm trying to take care of you as if you are my flock. Because before I can be proved faithful with a flock, I must be tested with a heart. God punish the devil. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. May the Lord open your minds. I repeat, before you can be trusted with a heart, with a flock, you need to be trusted with a heart. So you are taken to a group of 20 people in, a, in an organization that is so, so oppressive. You have no reason to thank God for that organization. And the Lord wants you to be faithful so that in a future short time, he can now give you your own thing. You are taken to pray for somebody's marriage and this person has no idea even you are praying. In fact, they don't even greet you on the road. But according to God, that is a heart as you wait for your own flock. Now, pastor, I think you know why we are so faithful, me and Joe, with this group. Because it will be our result slip to go to our own group. If we joke with your members, <laughs> I don't need to finish the statement. And some of you are wondering, why must God not give me my thing? Why is it me building other people? Please, if you are not found faithful in other people's business, you cannot be counted faithful in your own business. So God will be timing you. Are you grateful for the herd or just because of the flock? 
You know the problem with some of you? You only love fellow Kenyans. Those who speak Kiswahili like you. When you find the foreigners, some of them, my God, they are boring. God, they spit everywhere. You know them? Some of you know them. They spit everywhere. And some of them smell like they will never shower in their lives. And some of them, God, God knows. They don't even shave their hair. And they behave very, very filthily. Those are hearts. Will you thank God for them? Or will you only love the flock called the Kenyan citizens? The Bible says something now that I love. You are hearts. Your flocks grow large. And as a byproduct, as a byproduct of being faithful with somebody else's business, and finally God giving you a business, now you can talk gold and silver. Before that, my brother, there is no gold. There is no silver. My brother Joe, people want the resources. They want the blessing. They want the money. They want the wealth. But they don't want responsibility. They don't want labor. They don't want sweat. They don't want tears. They just want the money, money, money. And they do not know before money there is work. There is responsibility. And some of it can be so punitive. It can be so thankless. God is saying hard than flock. <laughs> now you are done. Get gold. Get silver. What are you doing in the house of God? What are you doing in your neighborhood? What responsibility are you taking? How are you praying for that neighborhood? Oh God, bless me. Make me the head and not the tail in the nation of Kenya. Wait a minute. You live in Kawangware. What have you done about Kawangware? But Kangware belongs to the MC. I don't know even his name. You don't know even his name. Uh-huh. That is a ad you are neglecting. Because if you are not careful with that ad, forget your flock. As a consequence, forget silver, forget gold. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? Oh God, bless me with my own school. I want to run an academy like Stare. Thank you. Now can you pray for the city council school where your daughter is attending? Can you even offer to give them a fresh paint costing maybe 1,500 shillings for a start? But I thought that is for Mike Sonko. Oh, that is hard. Go get yourself faithful. I have seen men who look like losers. Do you know, when you are praying for the nation in the morning, the Lord told me, kneel down here, I want to talk to you. He told me one word, selflessness. The day our leaders and our people will become selfless, the Lord will bring the blessing. For now, everybody loves themselves. Everybody is feeling entitled. There were days men gave their large tracts of land to build institutions, which they were not even planning to attend. And they did it out of a pure heart. Those are the days when nations were built by men of virtue. Now they are looking for ways to take from the nation, not to give to the nation. As a Christian, I challenge you, do not neglect the ad if you want your flock. And do not neglect your flock if you want silver and gold. Now, God has given two promises that I want you to claim with thanksgiving after this. For ads and flocks, he has promised growth. But for silver and gold, he has promised both increase or growth and multiplication. I repeat, for herds and flocks, God has only promised to grow them. But for silver and gold, God has promised to increase and multiply. When you are doing your mouth with God of faith, do not go with what you can do. Go with what he has written. Do not go with what you have planned out. Go with what he has promised in his word. He has promised to grow your influence, but to multiply your rewards. That is how you now think as you walk in a culture of thanksgiving. Moving on. Your silver and gold increase 
and all you have is multiplied. Gold and silver comes before all you have. Do you, do you know, which is a reality, that men cannot get beyond what they are receiving. If you are receiving things in hundreds of thousands, the goods that you have many times will be at that level of hundreds of thousands. And if you are receiving in terms of millions, the goods that you have many times will be in terms of millions. Do not go putting the cart before the oars. Put the oars before the cart. Tell the Lord, Lord, I believe as I am faithful with the herd, with the flock, you will multiply my silver and gold. Consequently, you will elevate me to the standard you have multiplied me. Some people are just waiting for God to give them. Actually, much of our prayer is God give. While, according to this scripture, some of our prayer should be, Lord, multiply me. Joe, you remember the scripture we are reading on Friday? During prayer, First, uh, Second Peter chapter one verse two, which says, "Grace and and knowledge be multiplied to you." God is not promising to give you some things; He is promising to multiply some things. Why should you give thanks? As I prepare to finish, the Bible says in Luke seventeen, "To quote my Lord and Savior Jesus." Seventeen, verse. 15 to verse 18. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. 17. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Underline the word cleansed. Where are the other nine? Verse 18. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? 19, then he said to him three things. Number one, rise. Number two, go. Your faith, number three, has made you well. Another version says, whole. A man who went before God and only received and went away just got a, can I call it a dust brush? A brush was taken and he was dusted and made, made clean. Okay? He was not healed. He was just cleaned. Another man, after getting the same dust, dusting, removing the dust from him, went back and gave praise. And this is what happened. He was told, rise. Remember, these were lepers. And a leper did not stand. A leper used to kneel, looking down and saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. So these ones who are now cleaned up, they are still bowing because their leprosy is not yet healed. Therefore, they cannot rise. And as a result of being in one spot, they could not go anywhere. They could not go to their families. They could not go to the temple. They could not go to the city. They could go nowhere. Jesus changes not only their posture, but also their locality. Jesus changes how much they can penetrate. Number three, Jesus now gives the final dose. He says, you are made whole. Listen to me. When you are full of thanks, there is no situation that can make you bow down. Every situation coming your way, you will always rise. You will always rise. Paul says, in Christ Jesus, because of him, we always triumph with great victories. There is always triumph, not for the prayerful, but for the thankful. When you just get a house and you are not grateful, when you just get a spouse and you are not grateful, when you just get a salary and you are not grateful, however little it is, you are not grateful, I can promise you, there are levels you will never rise to. Jesus tells this man, rise! Because previously, all you could do was to, they were not even allowed to make eye contact with the public. Go do your Bible history well. They were not allowed even to make public contact of eyes. They always had to bow down, beating their chest and saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. But when this man gave thanks, he was told now, rise, and he rose. Number two, he was told, go. 
The Lord is telling me something to tell you. Are you ready? The Lord is telling me he wants to increase your level of access. But your level of access will depend with your level of gratitude. There are people I cannot trust to come to my house. They are so full of murmuring and complaining. And as a result, instead of thanking God for my house, they will just be busy criticizing it. Therefore, their access to me is naturally eliminated. Grateful people are exciting people to have around. You can even take them to your bedroom because you know every report that will come out of them will be a grateful report. Some of you, your students, you need to learn how to be grateful. Thank God for your lecturer. Before you know it, the trip leading to Germany that was not even meant for you, he will say, there's a student here who makes me feel good. Let me rope him in and let me go with him. Some doors open because you have a culture of gratitude. The problem with Kenya, and we need to really pray, we are a nation of ungrateful people. Our athletes come from the airport while the whole world is worshipping them. We just say, ah, those Kalenjins have arrived. Eh? Huh. Okay. So they are going to Eldoret. Huh. I wish them a safe journey. And we are not grateful. We take a lot of things for granted. But I want to tell you something. Jesus promises access for those who are grateful. Allow me to ask you. Between Peter and Paul, from your little knowledge of the Bible, who had more access to the nations? Who had more access? And whose letter when you read is full of thanks, thanks, thanks? Who even praised God in prison? Who slept in prison? Peter. Peter was busy asleep. Paul was busy thanksgiving, giving thanks to, even in prison. At least we have a city with the traffic jams. There are cities with no population. Because of war. <laughs> because of Ebola or whatever it is. And us, when we see so many people in the city, we are like, Ay, see how to end we shall go. These people should go, should go up country. Jesus promises, number one, a lifting. Number two, he promises an access. Number three, he promises a wholeness. You are never complete till you give thanks. I can say with boldness, 80% of all those who have ever exchanged vows did not say thank you when they are told, I now pronounce you husband and wife. They rushed for the lips. <laughs> God punish the devil. <laughs> because according to them, Mama Florence, their wedding preparation has come to an end. And now they need to get their rights. Rise up and go. Your faith has made you whole. You went to school? Are you whole after attending school? You are not whole because you have not given thanks for that school. You came to church and you are not yet feeling it. You are not feeling like the Lord has given you the full dose. You just need to be grateful. But that at least you came to church. You didn't go to hospital. You came to church. You didn't go for the court hearing. <laughs> you came to church. And Pastor Kimani, every time the prophetic team will tell you, when we stand here to minister to people, there are those the anointing flows easily, but there are those we eat a wall because they are even wondering, what kind of guys are these? They're not even thankful that some people are taking time to pour their spirit out. Thankful people are receiving people. Ungrateful people are dry people. Number one, structure of thanksgiving. Your food. Number two, structure. Your clothes. Number three, structure. Your iron or your rock. Huh? That rock that bruises you, you need to learn to give thanks for it. Number four, structure. Your what? Huh? Your house. Number five, structure. Apart from the house, we can also say the house of God, okay? So number six, structure. The flock and herds or the people, right? The number seven, structure. 
the gold and the silver. If you learn to give thanks to God for all these things, do you even need a church service before you can give thanks? No. You are waking up is thanksgiving. You are lying down is thanksgiving. You are stepping out of that door is thanksgiving. You are coming in is thanksgiving. You are sitting in the traffic is thanksgiving. Everything about you begins to be thanksgiving. Now watch if Satan will still have authority to put you down. Of all the sins of Satan apart from pride was ungratitude, ingratitude. He was not grateful that he's created above the angels. He was not grateful that he's in heaven, he's not in hell. He was not grateful. No wonder gratitude alone can stop Satan from oppressing anybody. Gratitude. Gratitude alone can stop Satan from curtailing your access. Gratitude. Gratitude alone can stop Satan from curtailing your fullness. Some of you have received a miracle, but it is not a whole miracle. Just be grateful. The miracle will be whole. We are grateful this evening, are we? Let's be on our feet. It is what we do not do with what we have. And all that we are being told, learn to thank God. Can you imagine that you can transform your spouse by changing your attitude towards her, towards him? Can you imagine that you can transform, change the situation in your office by just changing your attitude? And when everybody else is complaining that you are grateful to the Lord that you have a place to work. I believe this is the greatest message that we have received today. Man of God, I'm grateful to the Lord for you. And I thank God for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is why you give an offering. There was a group of people who used to murmur against Moses. And they were the largest majority. 600,000 men besides women and children. All of them died. But there were only two young people. Joshua and Caleb. Who were always cheering Moses on. Even when Moses was weak, they covered his weaknesses. Even when Moses was planning to give up, they did not allow him to give up. Before they knew it, they were now trusted with their whole leadership of the next level. Have you murmured? This is your night. Before even you give thanks to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because murmuring is a baryon. Murmuring is a killer. Murmuring is a stopper of destiny. The Lord is showing me some people here you did not attend a good school. Personally, I did not attend a good school. And you feel like I have a grudge for not attending a good school. As a result, you cannot open your doors for your career. This is your night to turn it all around and say, Lord, at least I went to school. It may not have been the best, but at least I went to a good I went to a school. Some of you, yes, your parents are not the best. But listen, there are people who do not even have an idea who their parents are. Because even before they were born, these parents were not there. And yet some of them are serving God. This is your night. To turn it all around and say, Lord, I am sorry for murmuring. Forgive me. I am thankful. I am thankful. The man of God is saying complaining. And the Lord is showing me complaints arising out of stagnation and delay. And you are like, ah, I am delayed. And you begin to complain. Oh, Jesus. Some of you, you walk into banking halls and the queue is so long, you begin to complain. Forgetting there are people who have no bank account. They have no bank account. Not because they are stupid. But because they are stranded in poverty and they are trying to do everything they can and they can't do it. Holy Spirit, I ask you, open our eyes. Open our eyes. One of the most grateful kings in the Bible was King David. But he had every reason to murmur because life was so unfair to this man. Day and night, King David had a battle. 
But he never gave in to murmurings. He never gave in to complaining. He even says now in Second Samuel 2, uh, chapter 22, I have not wickedly departed from my God. Because he had an opportunity to depart from his God. Tonight we are grateful. Personally, I am grateful. I am grateful for this altar, which youth my age has been standing here for four months. I am grateful for this church. I am grateful for the man of God. I am grateful for his wife. I am grateful to his son. He even helped me to park in the morning. I am grateful for everything. I don't know about you. Open your mouth and talk to God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful. Lord Jesus, we are grateful. Some of you can come to the altar and give thanks to God from the bottom of your heart. Lord, I am grateful. I am grateful for the church. I am grateful for the Lord Jesus. I am grateful for the Holy Spirit. I am grateful for the gift of life. Jesus, I am grateful. Lift your voice and just thank God from the bottom of your heart. Lord, I am grateful for, yes, Lord, for everything. Lord Jesus, I am grateful. And as we are grateful, lift your voice and repent for grudges and complaints and murmurings and fault findings. Some of you, nothing is ever perfect. However much God gives good things, because they are not perfect, you are never thankful. Jesus, you need to, you need to go before God. Lift your voice, lift your voice. Just be grateful to the Lord tonight. Depart from murmuring. Depart from, from complaining. Depart from grudges and fault finding. Depart from them. Just depart tonight. And begin to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus. Begin to recommit your soul to a culture of gratitude. Gratitude. You have people who are holding your hands. They may not be the best. Thank God for them. You have people who believe in you. They may not have the money, but at least they believe in you. Thank God for them tonight.